Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the DC3 Cast. I'm Zach, and as always, I'm joined by Vince and Brian. Guys, how are you doing today, Vince? Very good. Very good, Zach. Thanks for asking. You're, you're welcome. Brian, how are you today? You know, or tonight? You know, when you live where I live, with all the piss and smoke, and then you, you, you grow up and you realize just piss and smoke everywhere. And then some days you look around, there's just piss and smoke there. And you just start to feel like it? You start to feel you like it. Feel but, like but the piss is still piss, and the smoke is still smoke. But the piss and smoke and piss and smoke. But it's piss and smoke and piss and smoke. So that's all I'm doing. That sounds yes. about how I'm doing, honestly. Yeah. I was I was having a good day today until I <laughs> sat down to start reading these Rebirth books. I was not, and uh, my day didn't change that much. Let's put it that way. So <laughs> we're no, starting there, off on a great note today. There, there, there was some good stuff this week. I'll, I'll, I'll be slightly sunnier than Zach is being, but there was some. There was maybe the worst dialogue in the uh, in the past calendar year or so of comics. So. <laughs> We shall see. Um, we have not discussed this at all. Should we start with the Rebirth books, I guess? Yeah, let's yeah, do... Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, so let's start with Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, Rebirth number one, written by the Bensons, illustrated by Claire Rowe. Um, you know how we were talking recently about how there are certain origins that are now like de rigueur, you have to show them every time we talk about a character, like Batman's parents being killed or the Flash being doused in chemicals. Uh-huh. I feel like we're getting dangerously close to the killing joke being that thing. Oh, right now. we're not dangerously close to it. We are right on top of it, if not like past it by a couple of years, I think. Like, it's <laughs> happened. Yeah. Yeah. Why did this why did this book need to Go back to the killing joke. Because it's a fucking rebirth issue and they're all doing this. Okay, okay. Like, I'm, I'm I'm not defending it. I'm saying I'm saying we've been dealing with this and these damn rebirth issues since this event started. You know, you knew it was gonna do this. Well Without, did we th- Go ahead, go ahead. Well like what I wanna know is like I, I haven't read it because I'm not caught up on it, but I was under the impression that the last volume of Batgirl retconned Killing Joke. No. It didn't? No. That's what that's what Uncle Rich told me. Well he's he was wrong. Okay then. Um They will never retcon the no. killing joke. No 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 no. Um yes he yeah he's wrong. Um they totally like all of this stuff about her getting shot and then um, having the experimental surgery to bring her back to walking has was from the start of the new fifty two and it's always been so um, I don't know where he's coming from with that and I did you see do you, do you know the article I'm talking about did you see it yeah I I do yeah I got really okay. mad at Rich uh, because of that. Okay. Because sometimes I feel like he doesn't read everything. I mean, I, I don't want to sound like the f- huge nerd that reads everything, you know, and like I'm the around, DC police. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> goes around goes around actualing everybody, you know. I like I don't want to do that. Except that then he comes out with these like columns where he's like, 
did DC or Marvel just do this? And it's like, no. Like, if you'd been reading the whole way through, like, you'd realize, like, in his mind, he imagined DC Rebirth as a exercise that is rebooting some things and other things it's not. But that's not really what re- – like, I feel like he's trying to fit things into this narrative that, like, stuff is actually changing when that's not really the case. Like, Rebirth is not rebooting anything, you know? The, the, the closest it comes to a reboot is taking Superman from the pre-New 52 and bringing him into the present, but even that took an eight-issue – crossover series uh pre-rebirth to explain you know like <laughs> no no it, you're incorrect it took an event and then an eight issue series to explain yes and then a rebirth issue yeah and also kind of the last arc of superman right but you understand my point that like like they're not just rebooting things at this point you know mm-hmm. they, they might show you things from the past that you weren't 100 percent sure about but this is not one of those cases, you know. They might be bringing things back into a into a version or a form that you're more familiar with by like putting Green Arrow and Black Canary together again. But in practice, they are essentially meeting for the first time, you know. Rebirth is more about making everything feel like it used to and less about retconning or rebooting pretty much anything, you know. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying it frustrates me when, like, I don't know. I feel like people are are having their chains yanked a little bit. Um, well, I I apologize no. for not being informed enough to know, and so I no, I can't that... take any of I can't fault the comic for that, but I can still fault it for being a pretty mediocre comic. Ah, uh, uh, Brian, what did you think? <laughs> well, okay, so I um, I don't know, man. There's um, Zach, 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 Zach. Exp- expound upon your your. No, no, no. no. Let, let me get this out. Um, I feel like there were a couple of things in this issue that I really enjoyed. I like the idea of the Birds of Prey, obviously. I like bringing the Helena Bertolini from Grayson into this. I don't quite know why she's the Huntress. Like, based okay. on... We had, you know, we, we, we saw Earth 2 Huntress on this Earth for a while. I don't quite get why this one is that. I I think that the characters, for the most part, were acting the way I would hope they would act. I thought the art was pretty nice. Uh, I thought the story was a little silly. Again, I, I, I'm from the in the belief that all the rebirth issues were written after the series started, so hopefully this writes itself next time. But it just seemed to me well, like it's not going to just write itself. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. Um, <laughs> I, I just feel like it's it's a uh, it's a bit convoluted. And there are legitimate things that this issue could have been establishing. It could have been establishing the relationships here. It could have been establishing Helena's motivation. It could have been establishing sort of what the overarching 
theme of this book is going to be, and I feel like I have no idea what this book is going to be. I got more information. I feel like every couple, especially because the Batgirl of Burnside just did this like a year ago, a little more than a year ago, I feel like we're constantly being updated as to Babs' status quo by talking about what happened in the past. And it just read so tritely to me, and maybe I'm I'm more susceptible to that because it's later in Rebirth, and I've read so many issues that do the same thing. But this this was a big old snooze for me this week. Yeah, same for me. I probably sound like I'm like in a you know all in a tizzy over this comic. I'm really not. It, I was, you know, it. it was just a total it was pretty like middle of the road for me and a lot of what you said brian is pretty much how i feel too although i like the stuff with helena i thought was like really weird i thought that was a really weird place to take the character right after grayson yeah because it was basically just like the huntress from arrow interesting that you would say that can i uh can i tell you where i think this is going yes yeah um. Anybody else think that uh, Felicity Smoke is going to be part of Rebirth? I mean, she was part of the pre-crisis, so why wouldn't she be part of Rebirth, right? Well, I'm just saying, like, you know, I think this book is going to essentially um, be very TV-ified. It's written by two TV writers. Yeah, yeah, there's that. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think that's where this whole Oracle thing is going. Do you think that she's going to be... Do we... Again, this book is so forgettable. I actually read this one yesterday. Ah. Uh, and it, it's pretty forgettable. Do we know Oracle's a villain here? Or do we just know someone's using the name Oracle? I don't think it's going to turn out to be a villain. I think but... it's this is a misdirect. Okay. What if it is Felicity? I think it. That's my guess. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, if done properly, I wouldn't hate that. Yeah. So anyway, I liked this a lot more than you guys did. <laughs> um, uh, but I do agree that it like suffers from the Dude same thing. Syndrome? Yeah, the same thing that all these damn you know like. I guess. I guess what the. Okay, this is probably wrong, but I'm now approaching these rebirth issues as if they're essentially useless. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is a bad thing to do after we just saw last week how how Nightwing could do it right, you know? Um because there's no re- there's no reason why you should waste a comic. You know, you sh- you should you should be able to take 20 pages of a comic no matter what's on the banner and tell a worthwhile story, you know? But I, I guess the way that I approach this book and why I feel more positive about this series than you guys do is because I actually thought the writing was pretty decent. Like, like I thought at the very least um, the characters sounded – like I didn't think the dialogue was bad. I thought they sounded um, like unique characters. They didn't all have the same voice. Um I felt like there was some nice stuff between uh, Barbara and her dad that you got to see in some of the... I mean, yeah, this is well-worn territory, but the way they 
recontextualized it. I, you know, there were there was parts of it that I liked. You know, um, and I I I really liked the art. Like I've I've been a Claire Rowe fan before this, and I like what she does. It's not conventional. Like there's a lot of like weird face stuff. You know. Yeah. Oh uh, man, when you get into the weird face stuff. <laughs> but I like it. I like it. Took it took me though. a while to realize that Barbara out of costume was Barbara. Oh really? Because she looked nothing like Barbara. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I. Really? Like, look at the pages of her like visiting Dinah at the concert. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. And it doesn't look anything like her. I don't know. I. That's a stretch. Vince, I think this is your green arrow. <laughs> that could be. Maybe we'll leave it at that. <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't. It wasn't bad. I guess. Okay, here's a good way to put this. This book is taking three characters who were major players, if not the headliners, of three interesting books pre-Rebirth, and they've put them into a book that is far less interesting than any of the books they came from. That's my problem. I don't know if I, we know that I, yet. I but... agree with that. Well, so far. So far, exactly. I, I can only judge based on what's in my hands. I know, but it's these damn... Okay, fine. That's fine. That's what we'll do, but these damn Rebirth books, they're so wildly you know so so wildly uh uh aiming low you know yeah, yeah. i agree yeah, this is essentially um they're trying to make comics that somehow appeal to both old readers and new readers alike mm-hmm. and they wind up with just a mishmash of nothing yeah uh, pull pirate or pulp, guys. Pirate. Mm, I'll, I'll pulp. I'm Zach's, gonna pirate. Zach's he... gonna pulp everything. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Pulp. I'm pulp, gonna pulp, I'm gonna pirate pulp, this. Pulp. I, I I think that this is going to get better. Or is it, at least I have hope that it gets better, and I, I want to give it that opportunity. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely, like, I, I, you know, there's the rebirth issue thing. I'm interested to see what the first issue is like. Ultimately, I mean, it's the same thing we've said about all of the rebirth books. This was, just, you know, a big retread. It was a lot of stuff I didn't care to read again. Um, so we'll see where the first issue goes. Okay, that's fair. Hey, this is a total non sequitur, but did you guys see that Grifter and Caitlin Fairchild are in Scooby Apocalypse now? I did see that. <laughs> Wait a minute. Just look at the cover of Scooby Apocalypse number three. <laughs> wow. Oh my god. Fred would be Grifter, I guess. <laughs> he just pulls that neckerchief up over his face. <laughs> What if that was the secret all along? <laughs> oh man! <laughs> oh, we just cracked it, guys. That's gonna be better than anything we say for the next hour, hour and a half. So, well uh, done, Zach. Nice pull on the name Caitlin Fairchild too, because I would have never forgotten. I would have I, never. I, I, I had a Wikipedia before I could make yeah. the joke. So, you guys don't have the entire cast of Gen Thirteen tattooed on your forearm <laughs> like I do. <laughs> 
All right, next up, The Hellblazer Rebirth, number one, written by Simon Oliver, illustrated by Mapal Moritat. Zach, why did you hate this? I didn't hate this. This was okay. I was like, this is good. <laughs> yeah, this was, this was okay. <sighs> I, just, I just want you to pulp everything. <laughs> I pulped this one. This one was okay. I mean, I wasn't, like, blown away by it. Um, I think it may be, like... Yeah, I wasn't, like, a huge fan of the last... Hellblazer book either, but I think it had like a like in terms of just like first issues, the other one grabbed me a bit more just because it felt more unique, like the art style, like Rosmo's art was so good and not that Mortat's isn't I think Rosmo's was just like more uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, I can't, you know, more unique, I guess. Yeah. Um, less conventional less can yeah exactly um no this was a perfectly crumpulent hellblazer story <laughs> yeah and you know it you, you you win points in my book when shazam and swamp thing show up oh yes so you know i get that part of it but no I, you know i felt like like uh, so the character of john constantine hasn't really been wasn't a part of the DCU proper for like 25 years. And then once they tried to bring him in, they did so in, in some less than flattering ways. And I feel like having him live in New York instead of living in London was weird. And this feels like they're just trying to establish the baseline of the character again. And, you know, that's kind of the point of all the Rebirth books. But this one did it with a little bit more style, a little bit more humor, and I think, frankly, some better artwork than a lot of the other ones have done recently. Mm-hmm. So that's why I dug it. And I do like the idea of Swamp Thing being a regular character in the book, which I know we are getting. Um, and, you know, somebody, I guess when I say somebody, I mean Uncle Richie, was saying that there's talk of bringing Constantine back in a a new show for the CW next year. Uh, possibly like a Justice League Dark type show. And they want this is a character they're very invested in going forward. And that makes sense to me. And this reads like the book of a, of a character that DC is invested in. They're oh, kind of resetting I... him back to ground zero and letting him do what he does best. What if we get Shazam and DC TV through that? <sighs> Played still... by Patrick Warburton. Yeah. Be still my heart. <laughs> I I say now that he's free of his TV responsibilities and sober, we get John Hamm to play Shazam. <laughs> he doesn't want to do it though. I, I, I let me let me talk to him. All right. If you if if you can get John Hamm to the fucking CW. <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, never mind. What will you do? do? I was going to do something to you in New York, but, uh, but never. It's going to take time. It's going to take time. I can't, I can't promise it for next week, but we'll talk. Okay. Hey, look, they, they just said that the Divergent series is not going to be a movie anymore. It's going to be a TV show. So we'll just, we'll just tell John Hamm that this was a movie first and then we'll spring it on halfway through production that no, it's actually a CW show. Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. It'll work. Don't worry. Um, hey, he did that uh, movie about the uh, the Indian baseball player, so I, I can convince him to do this. 
Plumdog Million Arm? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Who wants to be a millionaire? Okay, that that okay. beats my but, joke. You win, Vince. Yeah. Well, the, the joke is that the movie was actually called Million Dollar Arm. Right. And so it's Slumdog Million. I got it. Arm. It was good. It was a good joke. Jai Ho. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, what do we want to say about this book? Um, I thought it was very funny. Um, that Trump joke had me had me laughing. Yes, and I don't know. Did you notice there was another Trump joke? Uh, no. Which one? There's a newspaper. Did you see that? No. There's a newspaper in some panel that someone is reading, uh, and I'm not going to bore everyone by trying to look for it right now. But it says something like, "Oh, it's Constantine when he's talking to the when he's breaking the fourth wall at the end." Okay. And the paper says, "Beauty pageant owner becomes leader of the free world." Oh. <laughs> so they're really hammering. They're really hammering home this. Uh, you know, I, I can't believe the world is at where it's at right now. Uh, sort of thing. Um, but uh, which I like. I like. I think. Um, one thing that Marvel does really well in their comics that I think DC, I think Marvel goes a little overboard actually, um, but I think DC should do this a little more often is make jokes, more jokes that are like waking at the real world. Yeah, yeah, and and the modern, you know, it seems like when DC makes jokes about the modern age or like modern news stories or celebrities, they're always like very general and thereby less funny, you know? Well, and I also feel like sometimes they're like kind of like dated a little, they're like, you know, a few months or maybe even like a year too late or something, you know? Yeah. 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 Sure. Like they'll make a joke about Twitter or something. (laughs) Right. Twitter's been around a while. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like it's yeah. usually not a joke about Twitter. It's a joke about, like, Jitter, a new app that's exactly yeah. the same thing as Twitter, but named Stupider. Yeah. 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 Right. 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 And and Marvel's a little bit better at that. And, and, and that extends to, like, the variant covers that they do and some of the updates that they make to the characters' status quos, you know, and, like, like... I'd like DC to do a little bit more of that as far as the humor is concerned because I think it's I think it's funny and I think it keeps it feeling fresh, you know. Like this book felt fresh because he they're immediately talking about what's going on in America right now, you know, mm-hmm. and and being very specific about it, you know. Um, another thing that I thought was cool about the book, and this is the bleeding heart liberal in me, is that everything that's going on in like the background. Or, um, you know, like when he first arrives in, in London and there's the sign with the queen on it and there's just tons of people crammed into that, um, boarding area. Uh-huh. Like, look at the diverse, ca- like the diversity of everybody there, you know, like there's no two people look remotely alike, you know? Right. And I feel like that's what you see. Like, I've been to London, you know, that's very much what you would see. I don't think that's that over the top, you know. And that extends to when he's on the plane, and that extends to, like, 
any crowd shot, you know, like it feels like a vibrant, modern, lived in city that is unique and different, you know. Um, it made the book as a whole feel really vibrant and different, you know. Um, and I credit that, I credit a lot of that to Moritat because um, he really filled these panels with a lot of cool details and things. Yeah, I. The art in this was really good. I'm like going back through it and looking again, and this it looks really good. Uh, I, I also wanna, oh, go ahead. I, I just want to say I do want to play a drinking game though with you guys. Um, every time Constantine is smirking and lighting a cigarette <laughs> on panel, we have to take a drink. And I'm drunk. <laughs> So anyway, I just wanted to say that. But it, yeah, it looks really good. Okay, you were saying, Zach? Oh, it just looks like the uh, the like the curse that's going out, the like red text that's flying around. Uh-huh. Looks very Tolkien-esque. Yeah, it does. That's a good call. Um, I I, I did. You know, it, it's a little bit cliched at this point. To have Constantine be gambling like a personal debt with all of London <laughs> at stake. But it was handled well. You know, it was... Again, this is a comic that hopefully gets in the hands of somebody who's never read a Constantine book before and can enjoy it. Or somebody well, who's it, loved the character for a long time and can enjoy it. But it also didn't feel like there was... This issue felt like it had some weight to it. Yeah, I don't think it was a waste of a rebirth issue, honestly. Like, I feel like it was one of the better examples of how to do a rebirth issue well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a one and done, but it it didn't spend half the issue, like, retreading his backstory. Or, you know, it, it did it, it introduced you to, like, important characters in his life in a, like, organic way as the story progressed. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I loved the way that, uh, like, in the five or six pages that Constantine's, like, talking to the demon, you know, how he's, like, constantly looking off panel. Mm-hmm. He never look. he, like, rarely looks at, at this demon. He's and waiting he's for like, the cavalry to arrive. Well, right, exactly. And, like, but you don't, you don't exactly know what's going to happen at that point, you right. know? But you're seeing him, like, shifty-eyed and everything. And Mort- I think Mortat, again, really does a great job at, you know, like, having this demon poking and prodding Constantine. And, like, you can just see the tension and the nervousness. And it comes across really well uh, in the art. I, I, I think this was great from beginning to end. Just, just really... I'm, I mean, it takes a lot to get me to read a Constantine book. It's it's no secret that I'm not, like, a huge fan of this character um, or these types of stories. But I, I was really impressed by the approach here. And um, I, I liked everything except for maybe the fourth wall breaking. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'm never a huge fan of that. Yeah, I... In this I think, context, I think you, I think you can have like one character that does that, and I feel like Harley Quinn is that for DC, and Deadpool is that for um, Ambush Bug. Uh, uh, you mean a bug host of uh, Channel Fifty Two? Please don't speak those words to me. <laughs> no. 
Channel 52 is a great idea. Uh, my cable box is all Channel 52. <laughs> I've reprogrammed it. It only goes to Channel 52. Uh, pull Pirate or Pulp, boys. That work for me, but okay. Um, I'm gonna pull. I'm pulling too. Yeah, you guys have you've warmed my icy heart, <laughs> and I'm gonna pull this one. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Yeah. All right. Uh, do we want to go to Justice League first, since that's the number one issue, or just do that as part of our roundup here? Uh, let's just, let's, uh, let's slot it in alphabetical order. Got it. Oh, yeah. Okay, Waterman number three, Aquaman, (laughs) written by Dan Abnett, illustrated by Philippe Briones. Waterman. (laughs) That would be last in alphabetical order, Brian. That's the joke. Has, Zach, has a different person, has a different person drawn this book every single issue? Yes. Thought so. I don't. I thought the art in this was pretty good, though. Yeah. Um, this is a, a pretty fine issue. I thought it was okay. I thought it was maybe like the weakest issue of the arc so far. Um, just because uh, I I don't know. I thought the the president was so annoying. <laughs> yeah. You mean what? the chief of staff? The chief the chief of staff. I'm the chief of staff. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought, yeah, I just thought it was like, um, just kind of like heavy-handed a lot of the way through. Not quite, like because I thought the you know the other two issues we we liked them so much because it dealt with some pretty interesting themes in a way that wasn't heavy-handed, that was like pretty subtle. And I thought this wasn't that as much. But it wasn't a bad issue. I mean, this series continues to be one of the better ones, I think. I will give it credit because, to me, this is like such a reaction against the Jeff Johns run, where any little thing would piss Aquaman off. <laughs> Whereas, like, there was obviously a missing scene from the Rebirth issue where he, like, got a prescription for some Xanax. <laughs> and just, like, he's just, a, he's just much chiller now. He's just much better to be around. He doesn't fly off the handle as much. You know, um, he's just, he's much mellower than he was before. And I feel like the fact that he's willing to get himself arrested at the end rather than, like, start a new war, I think that's a really, that's the we we've never seen from this character in the modern era. And I applaud it. Yeah, I mean, he's so noble in this. I mean, he literally is, like, the noble king of the Justice League. And uh, and that's the role that he should serve, you know. Like that's, and there's no way that this is less badass. Like, would it have been more badass for him to pitch his trident right through the chief of staff's chest? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. You're right. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, I, yeah, but I think you know. I think like he was extremely noble, but that was highlighted by the fact that everyone else was so terrible. Yeah, you know? I see what you're saying. Okay, yep. I can, I can, I can buy that. Yep, yep, yep. But can I say this? This, like, maybe it's I. We talked about this before we went on, but maybe it's because I'm uh, newly married and I'm just about to go on my honeymoon, uh, so I'm in like a super good mood. Um, but I saw this issue. I saw the things that you're seeing, Zach, for sure. But overall, I saw it as the type of issue. 
that like Superman would have had back in the 40s or 50s where like he visits the president and it's really cheesy and they talk about like you know world peace or whatever and uh and I just saw this as like I saw this as something along those same lines like hey it's it's Aquaman meets the president <laughs> and it's something that would not if this if this comic were to happen in the new 52 say it would have been the president like ordering Aquaman to be killed <laughs> or something <laughs> you know yeah but like instead instead this is like a whole issue detour it's also not part of like an arc either you know like this is like almost a standalone issue um which isn't we already talked about how the second issue of aquaman wrapped up a story that ordinarily would have taken six issues to get through yeah you know and now this is like a breather already i just love the pace that this book is going at and like its willingness to take an issue out that's essentially like Mr. Curry goes to Washington, you know, and it it doesn't try to do too much more than that, you know. I also love how uh, Mira is so down to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> how she missed multiple comments in that scene about wanting to get some. Yeah, yeah, I mean. I like it. Good for her. Yep. She deserves it. Yeah. <laughs> I derailed the conversation there. I'm biting uh, my tongue. <laughs> um, that's what she said. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, you know, I'm kind of with Zach in the sense of I wish Brad Walker was just drawing this book. Yeah. As opposed to having three different artists. But this is, this is by no means the worst villain art of the week. No, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Uh it works for the most part and uh you know it's um this is this is a book i look forward to reading every two weeks and i haven't said that about an aquaman book in a very long time i'm uh i'm still on the pull train here yeah i think me too yeah i'm i'm uh, pulling it so hard that it's 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 turning on Mira. <laughs> I don't think I'm pulling it that hard, but um, that brings us to Batman. Wah, wah, wah. Written by Tom King, illustrated by David Finch, read by me, enjoyed by no one. Um, <laughs> this is a bad comic, guys. Right? What, what are they even doing? I don't. Know. I have no idea. This like, it's weird. It's all it's almost a joke, right? Like Zach, you you postulated that this is a, some joke on somebody. <laughs> um in case in case listeners didn't realize like Brian's piss monologue from the opening of the show is essentially lifted word for word from this issue. Yeah. yeah. I, I think Tom King put a couple less pisses in here, <laughs> but not 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 that many less. It wasn't that much of an exaggeration. One, um, two. Three. Keep talking. Yeah, yeah. This, it's ahead. a well. No, it's just a. I don't even know. Like, I say this every issue. Like, I don't see how 
this is the same guy that wrote Omega Men and writes the Vision and writes uh, Sheriffs of Baghdad, Sheriff of Baghdad. Um, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of an AI program that's supposed to be writing <laughs> Batman, and like they put all the elements of Batman into a computer, and we're like, here, write a Batman story. Because this has all the elements of Batman. Like, Alfred's there, and there's costumes and shit, but this is not a Batman comic. What if they didn't actually sign Tom King as an exclusive? <laughs> they just put his brain into a computer. There we go. <laughs> the Kingiac 5000. Yeah. <laughs> The conspiracies uh, just get deeper and deeper. Yeah, you know what this you know what this reads like to me. A shitty comic. Yeah, <laughs> this is going to be an unfortunate comparison, and I'm almost wondering whether it's in, it's intentional or not. Um, but can, okay, can I walk you guys through the comic? Sure. All right, so it opens up talking about gotham being piss and smoke right it's a uh kind of a dingy street corner here outside of a movie theater there's a pizza and subs truck like right outside there's a couple of i don't know millennials or something shooting the shit by the newspaper box here and there's a couple with a kid walking kind of emulating the uh murder of bruce wayne kind of well 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 i mean it's yeah no 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 i mean exactly yeah thanks Uh, yeah by kind of i mean exactly (laughs) there's tons of signs everywhere all of this is like screaming watchman to me as i'm reading it and it batman's dialogue or his narration screams rorschach to me and i'm starting to think that batman like the flagship dc title right now is trying to purposely hew so closely to watchmen that when they bring the watchmen characters in it's not going to be weird i can see that i my i was gonna say i feel like this is tom king doing his riff on all-star batman and robin sure hopefully he never finishes it then (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just like a, a a motorcycle pops out of a car <laughs> and the car reassembles itself you see there's zach no, when a car and a motorcycle car, love each other sometimes no things happen car for a motorcycle <laughs> and even if there was when the car reassembles itself there's not enough room for all the things that the car would need to keep going <laughs> And also the font that the car, the, the sound that the car makes is like old English. <laughs> I, I've seen that exact th- font in a Thor comic before. Mm-hmm. Boom! Like, that's, that's the that's the Snap! That's when Beta Ray Bill comes down. Yeah, it totally is. You're right. Um, we yeah. also haven't touched on the fact that. Gotham and Gotham Girls' parents bought their powers? Yeah. yeah. What the fuck is happening, guys? This whole thing feels like just a parody. I don't know. They went to the same place that uh, Keenan Kong did. Oh. Do you really think that? 
I don't know. Where were they? Where were they on a on a overseas? They've got trip they've got Kryptonian style powers. So does King Kong. See, I feel like there's all kinds of stuff going on here in King's book. All of it handled poorly, don't get me wrong. But like if we're wondering why it's so weird, I feel like it's because we're not used to Batman playing around in, in everyone else's world because Scott Snyder wasn't beholden to that. But I'm feeling like a lot of this is like subtle nods to Watchmen. We're going to find out that Gotham and Gotham Girl are part of something bigger that extends out into the DC universe. Like, I just feel like there's so much going on. All of it bad. Um there has to be a long game for this. This like, yeah. if this I, is just what it is at face value, like, <laughs> right? There's also like so many just unbelievably dumb moments in this comic. Like, not not even like poor storytelling choices, just dumb. Like, you know, why would Bruce pull his fake mustache off while he's still in the <laughs> eyesight of the parents? But most just call me matches. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I feel like... Apparently was... this one was a suicide bomber. Apparently this one was a suicide bomber. How original. I mean, come on. By the way, Alfred is so... Uh, he's giving no fucks about anything. Yeah. How many times? In, how many times in these last three or four issues or whatever has he said like how original or yeah. how shocking <laughs> or quite intriguing? And However, like, unfortunately, I must say I do not believe the bridge will hold for four minutes. They just say the bridge won't hold. Like there's all this flowery bullshit dialogue. <laughs> oh God, what comic is this? It's not Who the worst. Who are one these week. people? It's not the worst one this week. It's pretty close, dude. For my money, it is. For my money, it is. I, I don't get... The, oh, man. Literally, the only thing I like about any of this is that Psycho Pirate is here. And oh, Zach Psycho Pirate. Do you guys remember when the live stream happened and there were the rumors that Tom King was writing Batman and all three of us were doing internet cartwheels over this? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh... No, I, I was the first one who didn't like this. That's the story I'm sticking to. Okay, do you remember my review you of the were? issue? Yes, I know. I, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, okay. I'm, better trying, be. I'm trying to get ahead of the, you know, backlash. I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to say I disliked it before everyone else. So hip. <laughs> All right. I, I, am, I am ready, willing and able to pulp this back to the Stone Age. <laughs> so so here's the question. How long are we going to keep reading this? We're four uh, issues too too deep already. <laughs> as long as it's free, I'm I'm riding it guess, out. How long are we going to keep talking about it? Oh. Well, don't we have to figure out in, in issue 22 whether Batman's good for Gotham or not? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so there's your answer, Zach. <laughs> okay, all right. Buckle up, guys. <laughs> yeah. Boy, oh boy. 7.4 on Comic Book Roundup right now. Which is, honest, I think, the lowest score that it's gotten so far. Probably. People, you know, we're influencing people, I'm sure. They're catching on to... Oh, my goodness. 
our distaste. This is. I don't. I don't. Know. I don't want it to be bad. No, I want it to be good. <laughs> Newsarama's on. They're they're on. They're on fleek right now. They they got it. Well, what are they turning on? Turning on their brains. <laughs> what do they give it? A four. Wow. Out of ten. Wow. That must mean the costumes are terrible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wrong with that. Every week, guys, you gotta you have to get one in each week. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. We're terrible people. Are you guys? We're the it we're too? the mean girls at the comics internet. <laughs> are you guys pulping it as well? Yeah. Yeah. I'm psycho pirating it still. Ah, there you go. <laughs> Man, I'm the only dad, but we are dad joking it up tonight. <laughs> Green Arrow number three. Ben Percy, Juan Ferreira. It, it finally happened. <laughs> what finally happened? The no no auto Schmidt. Yeah. We had to yeah. test it out. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I typically... How did that make you feel? It didn't make me feel that bad. I mean, I didn't... This was probably my least favorite issue so far. Um, but it wasn't bad. I tend to like Juan Ferreira. Same. Uh, I don't know if this is the best book for his talents. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I didn't think it was bad. I think it's a little bit jarring from the style that Schmidt had. See, I actually thought his, it seemed like he kind of adjusted his style to fit what Schmidt was doing a little more. If I believed for a second that he saw any of the pages before he started this, <laughs> I would maybe believe you. But the fact that the Rebirth issue came out a month and a half ago. Yeah, I, I mean, know. it just it just looks more. And maybe it's like the coloring and the inking over it that makes it that way. I don't know if maybe it's the same colorist. I haven't. No, Ferreira does his own colors. Oh, he does. Well, yeah. then I don't know. This to me, it just looks more like that than I feel like Ferreira's art usually looks. Okay. So, so the editor was doing his job to kind of keep it as his or her job to keep it as um, consistent as possible. Maybe I feel like that. Who's editing this book? Andy Corey. Andy Corey. Yeah. That's why. Good, good on Andy. Um, I'll say this: this maybe is a weird comment to make. Because Ferreira was not involved with this book, but to me, this book visually this week looked a lot like Justice League Cry for Justice. Oh, don't say that. Just like a lot of Green Arrow, the sort of the the, the color scheme reminded me a lot of that book, and not in a necessarily that's bad libel way. or slander. <laughs> Which one is? It was spoken aloud, so it's when so you... it's slander. It's slander, I think. Yeah, I think libel yeah. was printed. You're right. Um, but that it is. You're slandering this book. <laughs> I'm not saying it was. It resembled it in story tone or anything like that. Story or tone, just visually. I, there was something about it that I don't know if it's like the muted colors or what that that reminded me of Cry for Justice. Mm. Vince, what did you think of this issue? Um, I. You know, I I liked it about as much as the the issues that came before it from like a writing standpoint, and I don't want to knock uh, Juan Ferreira at all, um, because I really I think he's a tremendous artist, and I think he did a tremendous job on this book. Okay, 
but you're right. I he's he's different from Otto Schmidt in a way that like I'm excited about this book because I'm excited to read Otto Schmidt art, you know, or right. see Otto Schmidt art. And I feel like uh I feel like Juan is good enough to have some other book. Like I enjoyed what he was doing on Suicide Squad. Yes, or Gotham by Midnight, I really liked his work on. Yeah, yeah. Like, I totally want to see his art somewhere. I don't want a break from Otto Schmidt for anyone, you know? That's fair. I know that's not the way comics work these days, but I'd almost rather have, like, one or two issues of somebody who's just completely filling in. It, filling in. Uh, and you know, you know it's not going to be Otto Schmidt, and you know it's going to be disappointing. <laughs> than to have than to have this than to have this artist that that I really like that I followed you know around to different com- publishers because I like his art and then to to read him on a book where the the tone of the book is normally something else or the look of the book is something else that I'd rather have for that book in this particular configuration does that make sense sure I mean see it. I don't want to knock him at all. I'm not knocking anything. It's not about did. him. No, it's not. It's not. It's about the situation. Like, like Green Arrow for me now is very much Otto Schmidt, you know? And, like, <laughs> I I would love it if, if Ferreira was on something like, I don't know, something that doesn't have as strong an art right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or like another bad book because he's great at those too, you know. Um, it's just it's gonna be a different book when he's drawing it, and that's okay. But I love the pace and the visual tenor that that Otto Schmidt brought to the. I mean, those issues succeeded entirely on the strength of his art for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, to me. This this book still has a lot of problems. I uh, I don't particularly love the um, the shadow uh, stuff. It just seems a little bit stayed. It seems a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. Is it shadow or is it shadow? It's shadow. Based on as long as they're using the same pronunciation, the arrow uses. It's oh, okay, mm-hmm. I've I've always said shadow all my life. <laughs> like shadow, the brain thief from Harvey Birdman. Oh. <laughs> nice pull, nice pull. Oh. Uh, yeah, it, it just it just seems. I don't know. I feel like this book is actually attempting to cover a lot of ground, which I appreciate, mm-hmm. but I don't love that stuff. They're doubling down really hard on the Dante's Inferno thing. <laughs> yeah. Real hard. Also, I like how Dante, the character Dante, is um, nemesis from Resident Evil in the suit <laughs> that Daredevil wears in the Mark Wade run. You lost me. I'm sorry. But... <laughs> no, I got you, Zach. <laughs> I'm backing you up on that. Oh, that's good. Is that why you hated this book? No, I that was one of the reasons I liked this book. Oh. You told me that you book. you told me that you disliked everything this week. Okay, <laughs> I, I dis okay, I liked everything this week less 
than the if it previous was first issue. issue. If it was a first issue, I pretty much didn't like it. You guys made me like Hellblazer, so good job. <laughs> I liked it less than all of the previous issues for every single book. That's fair. Yeah, it's fair. Okay, uh, are we all three ready to pull pirate pulp this one? I, I'm I'm still pirating, but I'm I'm enjoying my piracy. I'm a happy thief. <laughs> I'm. I think I'm. I'm still championing, championing, championing this one. So I'm. I'm pulling it still. Yeah, I, I'm pulling it. The, the, you know, it may be Otto Schmidt's book to me, but, uh, you know, nothing in this issue. I didn't have a problem with any of it. I'm. I'm still happy pulling this. So would you say that the three of us are Schmidt heads? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. I would say that. You're also a shithead, though. Uh, yeah, I, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> there is no doubt in my mind. Trust me. Um, okay, that brings us to Green Lanterns. This one. This one. This one right here. This one is the worst <laughs> book I've ever read. That's an exaggeration, but no, it was really bad. Are you saying that all four pencilers together couldn't make this great? <laughs> no, no, they couldn't. There's this stuff. book was no. This book was the worst. There's things to like in it. No, there is not. Name Look, one thing. Uh, one thing. Hold on. Page one. Uh, Boz carries that uh, that teddy bear on the whole time. Uh, that he stole. <laughs> yeah. That he stole. Page three. Look at uh, the face on that kid. <laughs> what? <laughs> Look at the face on that kid on page three. Look at how mad he is. Hey, who do you think has more wrinkles on their face? The old man or Atrocitus? Oh. Uh. This has, book has this book has Dexstar. I always like Dexstar, but yeah. even Dexstar couldn't save this issue. Okay, one thing that I legitimately liked that I was immediately mad about was that Simon rescues Bleez from the Red Lantern powers and essentially like normalizes her. her again. Yeah. yeah, and I thought that was really stupid. No, I thought that was cool, and then they immediately like they immediately undid it, which was also stupid. It was <laughs> that two part... stupid things, two negatives that <laughs> still made a negative. It's Are you All saying right. two wrongs to make a right. I that is what I'm saying. It's okay. it's addition and not multiplication. You're right. This 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 was not good. I agree. I, I uh, this is pretty far from good. It's pretty like, far from good. Oh man, I didn't like this issue, and I, you know, I don't want to be mean about it, but this was just oh, this is oh, this is terrible to me in my in my opinion. They they did get through um, some Simon Baz backstory without talking about how much he would want to murder somebody in cold blood or uh, drive a truck with a bomb through a, a government facility or something. I guess they did do that. They did. They told a kind of a funny joke with that guardian that came back. and That was thinks, the best part of the issue. Thanks yeah. that John Stewart is the new Green Lantern. I like that. That, was the only, that, that elicited a chuckle. <laughs> but like just that last page just look at the last page must yeah. i 
Rage. 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 This rookie's about to kick your ass. Rage. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna isolate that and make it my new text alert. <laughs> whatever whatever Zach texts. Yeah. Rage. <laughs> yeah. This is not a good comic, guys. I guess I don't know. I you know what part of Okay, so this never bothers me in uh, in comic books, but I guess one thing that's bothered me about the Lantern books since John stopped writing them is that I have no fucking clue what any of the Lantern powers actually do anymore. Like, what do they do? What don't they do? What, <laughs> you know, like, they can't, rescue they can rescue please but then they can't but then she can be affected by the red lantern well like simon why i don't do anything now what's that simon can basically do anything now it seems like <laughs> yeah and jessica can do nothing <laughs> and do nothing exactly well it's the patriarchy we you know yeah, seriously once emperor trump is um in office there won't be characters like jessica anymore so well, enjoy her when she while she lasts. This was just an exhausting book to read. It, yeah. it, it simultaneously has about 6,000% too much dialogue and 4,000% too much art that has nothing going on. It's just, it. this was like a comic up to 11. Like, just look at, there's a page where, where Simon is... Blees has been cured, but she's kind of mad about being cured, and he tries to, like, talk her down off that. There's so much going on, and I, I don't mean, like, the panels are visually interesting. Like, it begins when she's fighting the rage. Like, she wants the rage back. She wants to kill herself because she can't be cleansed of her sins. And then she gets mad, and then she has a hallucination, and then she's at peace. Like, all this stuff is happening so fast, but it's happening so fast there's no time for any of it to have any impact. Like, the fact that we said that, you know, like in this one issue, Bleez is evil for, like, a third of it, and then is cured for a third of it, and then is back to evil for a third of it, too. If this, you know, we were saying how nicely the pace of Aquaman is moving. If this book just slowed down this story, it might have actually been interesting. Maybe. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, they found a way to make her more naked than than she already was. That's true. Um that's not a positive. I don't don't <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm just saying this book does is doing so much wrong right now. Um and that kid yeah. is re- that kid's really mad. He's real mad. If you had to describe his emotion in one one syllable word, Zach, what would it be? I'm, I'm not going to do it again. Yeah, I'm, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> uh, what, what was the name of that band? They, uh, Zach DeLaRocca was the singer. Blank Against the Machine. I'm not going to do it again. Okay. Okay. If you want, you can if, go if cut out the audio. If we live in a world where seas were ours, animals and zoos would be held in what? Uh, 
Okay. Are we all? All the we... animals would be shot like Harambe. <laughs> <laughs> if there was one thing that could make me as angry as that kid on page three, it's it's it is when I think about the injustice that was levied on on Harambe's gentle soul. Okay, Vince, I'm asking you a legitimate question here. Yeah. How much would you pay me if you could write a Blackest Night tie-in with Black Lantern Harambe? <laughs> it's officially sanctioned by DC. Artist of your choice, how much money would you pay to write that comic? Uh, if, ben, if like Ben Oliver could draw me Black Lantern Harambe, yeah. just, just getting revenge on... Oh, God. I don't know. I feel wasn't there like a wasn't there like a grad? I I don't know. I'd be too close to Gorilla Grad. I don't think I would pay all that much. They wouldn't. They they just they draw Grad. They wouldn't really capture Harambe himself. I feel like I'd be cheated. That's fair. I mean, you're you're the creative voice in this. I guess you really have no one to blame but yourself. But I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, are, are we all pulping this book? Oh man, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's bad. I um, I read a Vampirilla story this week where she uses paper, which is made of wood pulp, to kill Dracula, and I want to kill everyone involved with this with, with wood pulp myself. Oh man, it's uh, it was really painful to read. It was nice having a, a podcast. Um, but now it's going to be canceled because uh, Brian just threatened. I meant the fictional characters. Come on. Oh, ah, uh, yeah. I meant Baz. Sorry. Boz, whatever. Okay. Don't kill Jessica. I won't. She's okay in another book that we're about to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Justice League number one, Brian Hitch, Tony Daniel. Um, I'll say this. Visually, this is about what you could expect on the high end from Tony Daniel's work. Like th- this looked fine to me. This was like I, a fine yeah. Tony Daniel comic. This was a this was an okay Justice League book. Like uh, it had some good stuff in it. Wonder Woman was really cool. She had a lot of cool moments. I like her lightning bolt. Um, Cyborg did some cool things. Uh, the Flash's costume looked real good. Ten ten. Real good. 10 out of 10. No, I, I thought this book was okay. I mean, it's it's exactly what you expect from a Brian Hitch Justice League comic. And, you know, I wish we had another Justice League comic written by Jonathan Hickman to be the real Justice League comic. <laughs> and then this would just be the big, dumb, fun one that I... Right on the side. Your JL side piece? Yeah. <laughs> I don't disagree with that. Um, you know, it, it, it's fine. It's, it's, it's okay. To me, there are some interesting developments here. I think that the relationship between Bruce and this Clark is very interesting. I think that having the two new lanterns as part of the Justice League is interesting. And, 
Yeah. I do like the character dynamics. You know, the little bit that we see. Yeah. I feel like it, given time, maybe this book could do that a little bit better than the John's Justice League did. You know, kind of develop the character relationships. Yeah. I think... Isn't one issue, isn't the issue that was just solicited um, going to have, like, Jessica and Barry going out on a date or something? Yes. That sounds fun. Yeah, I can get behind that. That sounds way more fun than the story of, like, uh, who, what's the, what's the Green Lanterns one? Is it the story of Boz's gun? Isn't that one <laughs> of them? Yeah. The Ballad of ba- Simon Baz's Gun. Yeah. Yeah, so... I... I think Brian Hitch is really good at that team dynamic like you guys are talking about. I think, um... You know, bouncing from uh, Simon and Jessica to um, Cyborg... And then to Barry, you know, like, you, you get them, like, passing off to one another, essentially, over their communicators or, what, or right, you know. Right, And they're all given unique voices. They all, like, specifically in their actions and dialogue, express, like, the sort of concerns or the sort of things that they would have on their mind, you know, like everything they do feels very much informed by the type of character that they are or the type of hero they are, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, I think sometimes writers feel like that stuff is old fashioned and they don't do it as much, but I like, like, I, I like that, uh, this comic takes time out to have um, Cyborg like say something about him being a football player. I mean, that seems that seems cliche, but like in this in this environment when you're juggling like eight Justice League characters, I like when they're all given an individual moment to be like, you know, hey, in case you forgot, like this is who I am as a character. You know, it's different from a solo book where I don't. I don't need Cyborg in his solo book reminding you in every issue that he was a football player, right, you know? Right. But, like, in a group setting, I like that there are throwaway lines like that. Like, like to me, that's how you balance... That's how you balance a bunch of characters without any... any without forgetting about any of them, you know? Um, you, you fall back on the things that you know about them, and you, you remind the readers who they are as characters often, and then that way they don't get kind of lost in the shuffle. I don't know. That's a subtle line to walk because it can easily be, like, super cheesy and unnecessary. But I think Hitch, I don't know if the plot of this book is very good, but I think he's really good at doing that little stuff. Even him throwing in the line for Cyborg about having a little bit of a crush on Superman for how good he's doing his job. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I I like this book. I think I, you know, I don't I'm kind of like surprised to to say that. Um I I might actually pull this book. 
I think I'm still pirating it, but I'm I'm not opposed to pulling it. <laughs> I'm gonna say a strong pirate. So Blackbeard, you're gonna say? <laughs> <laughs> was he was he particularly strong? I have no idea. He's the first pirate I could think of. <laughs> but yeah, I'll Blackbeard this one. Okay. That brings us to Superman number three, written by Pete Tomasi and Pat Gleason, illustrated by. Jorge Jimenez, and, um... Zach, why'd you hate this one? Because the Eradicator eradicated Crypto. Did he eradicate him, or did he eat him? He... It, it might as well be the same thing. In crypto is going to burst from the Eradicator's chest in a blaze of glory in two or three issues. Oh, He'll God, definitely so. come back, but... Much in the way that your heart bleeds for Harambe... <laughs> <laughs> My heart goes out to crypto today. Yeah. Remember that crypto story after uh, Superboy died? Yeah. I do. The one that came out like five years later? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I know the one. So great. And the one in the Grant Morrison Action Comics run with Travel Foreman art? Yeah. Yep. Also good. Even though he was werewolf crypto? Yeah. Okay, so if anything, really, if anything really did happen to Crypto, I will be super upset. But you got to admit that scene was really effective. Oh, it was. Yes, I, all of the animal violence in this comic is a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Peta is gonna have a field day with this comic. Uh, just call him Peta J. Tomasi. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> what the fuck have we become, guys? <laughs> I don't even recognize us anymore. This is your fault, Mr. Hashtag RNC Rock Songs. Hey, I was, I was having some fun last night. <laughs> me and Bobby Jindal still makes me laugh today. So. so anyway, like, the Eradicator swallows crypto. And, man, guys, Jorge Jimenez. So good. He's really good. Oh, my God. He is a adequate fill-in for Patrick Gleason. And isn't is, – who's the other solicited artist for the series? Um, I thought it was Monkey. I think it is Doug Monkey, but I, I believe this was a an unexpected fill-in. But he's he's great. Him and his is such a uh, nice job here. He, yeah, yeah, he is. The, the way he stages it, like – Crypto jumping into the way, then like a zoom in on his eye, like Crypto just knows he's his goose is cooked, you know, and then swallowed up, shot on Jonathan's like shocked face, the cape, the damn cape like f slowly floating down to the ground, and then just that they focus on Jonathan while S Superman is just going nuts on the Eradicator. Yep, just so good. Like, so it is well really good it is really good um do you think so do you think the eradicator is like sell and so now <laughs> he's gonna take on like crypto properties brian go uh go do something else for a little while i'll just suck an egg over here guys it's cool semi semi perfect eradicator yep perfect eradicators coming and this is totally jonathan is going uh super is for the first time this is where the Goku Vegeta thing comes in, 
yeah. that you were talking about. Yes. Uh, and yes. Yeah. Oh man, is it more like it's more like uh, Go Ten and um, Trunks, Trunks? Right. You're right. You're right. Oh geez. But I don't know. Like John Jonathan is definitely more like the Gohan here. Like he. Yeah, you're right. You're, yes, in the cell scenario, he's <laughs> Gohan. <laughs> <laughs> what, what happened? What happened? <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. I, I, I we have fun. Uh, <laughs> no, th- oh. this is a really like that. That one of the things that I think about sometimes is um, again, a good comic should make you upset sometimes. Uh-huh. You shouldn't just if you're just following along, enjoying every minute of it. It means the stakes aren't high enough. Yeah. And I feel like this comic has done a really nice job of giving us moments that are sad and that are angry and that double down our interest in the character. It's just, it's funny to me to compare this to Action Comics. Because Action Comics is trying to do so much at the same time. And this is just a streamlined, there's one story, it doesn't diverge from the one story, it, but it does it so well. No, the the real one thing I didn't care for as much in this issue was the like eradicator's backstory yeah um which i just thought was kind of weird um but i mean it's like whatever you know that's like a minor complaint yeah you know it's it's difficult to do like as soon as eradicator started explaining like where he came from and what his purpose was. He glazed over a little bit. You yeah. know, yes. And you know exactly where it's going. You know, that this type of character is rarely done any differently than this. You know, basically he's invented to be a punching bag, which by the end of the issue comes around, you right. know, but, but I, yes, I see what you're saying, Zach. I, Yeah. Oh man, he really those last two pages, the last three pages are just so good. I yeah, some yeah. Just good comics. This is gonna this this Superman book is top notch. Yeah. Can't wait till Scott Lobdell takes it over. Stop it. Just Jesus stop it. Christ, Brian. <laughs> Why don't you go fall asleep again and Zach and I can talk about nice things like Dragon Paul. Guys, I'm just kidding. Scott Lovedell's right in the Army of Darkness. Uh, what crossover? He has work outside of DC? It was announced yesterday. Army of Darkness, something. Oh, Gabagool, who knows? Outside it's, of DC and Xenoscope. It's Dynamite, which is know, kind of like Xenoscope, but okay. Yeah, I guess. You know what I have to say about that announcement, though? What? Groovy. <laughs> There's a... I, I get it, thanks. It's yeah. Army of Darkness, Xena Warrior Princess. That's oh, a yeah. Lubdell is the first name that comes to mind when I hear those. Yeah. Um, so next week, let's see what we have coming here. We're, uh, we have Batgirl number one. I guess what's weird is the Batgirl and the Birds of Prey acted as the rebirth... Issue for both Batgirl books. 
Mm-hmm. So we had that. Um, action Detective, Flash, uh, Hal and the GLC, <laughs> Nightwing, Red Hood and the Outlaws, Rebirth with Dark Past oh, Lockdown. It's going to be a fun time. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give that one. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to do some alms for uh-huh. like five minutes. Clear my mind. I'm going to give that book every chance to reach mediocrity. Okay. We also have Titans number one and Wonder Woman number three. I'm excited about Titans number one. Yeah. Me too. Me too. This, I feel like next week could go so many different ways. <laughs> this, yeah. Abnett, this Abnett kid is... He's... He's something. It's really something. <laughs> He's got a future in this business, I'd say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that's where we'll be next week. And uh, until next week, you guys can find us on the interwebs talking about all this stuff. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Brian is an app. I'm at VJ underscore O-S-T-R-O-W-S-K-I. And I am at SirFox89. And um, go to multiversitycomics.com for all your news, reviews, commentary, anything you want from comics, we provide it over there. So thanks for listening, and if you can make it through the smoke and piss, we'll see you next week. Bye.